The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders. Going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah soft made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hi, everybody. Have you heard of Instacart? If you have not heard of Instacart, I don't know where you have been living because it saved my life. I don't have to go to the grocery store. I can get my stuff delivered to my house. And if you go to judgingmegan.com forward slash Instacart, you will get $35 off of your first order if you've never ordered before. So I would say get on there right now and skip your trip to the grocery store. Hello, everyone. Um, I think I've brought this to your attention in the past, um, but I'm going to bring it to your attention again today. I um, have been doing my podcast for over a year. I, uh, I was like trying to invest in a new microphone several months ago. I'm going to be honest. I think it was like three and a half months ago that I got the microphone. Danny was the, who produces my show was like, Megan, you really need to invest in a really good microphone. So I did, but I was realizing that the sound wasn't changing at all. And so I was doing all my episodes. I'm like, Danny, like, why did I invest in this microphone? And so we were like kind of going back and forth. And then the other day I was talking to him and I realized, hello, I'm a complete moron. I've been recording probably three months of episodes and the microphone was not plugged in properly. So um, once again... Um, I would like to bring it to your attention that um, 
Megan Judge is maybe like one of the like um she's not the brightest in the tool shed or what is the what's the term I'm trying to think of? Anyways, I had to tell you that because if you've noticed that my voice is much richer these days, it's because my microphone actually is it is working. It's plugged in properly. <laughs> so for the past two episodes, I have a working microphone. So that's very exciting. So you can go and tell all of your friends that um, judging Megan has great a great quality of sound and the host, even though her voice is exceptionally annoying, um, it's, it's not as annoying with my new microphone. So I'm going to start the show. Today's show is brought to you by Plutio. Plutio is literally the software that we use to keep judging Megan going every week. It keeps us in the know with exactly what tasks we need to get done. So the million little things that we need to get done never fall behind. Everyone, I would like to introduce Dr. Tracy Bennett. Hi, Dr. Tracy. Do I call you Dr. Tracy or Dr. You can Bennett? call me Tracy, whatever is comfortable for you. I Because I'm always like when I meet somebody that's a doctor, it's kind of like when you're a kid and you know, you know, when you're a little kid and you know somebody's parents and you call them like Mrs. Riley. Hey, <laughs> I still call the parents. I'm really uncomfortable calling somebody's parents like, hi, Joan, how are you? Like, I still call them Mrs. Riley. Are you like that too? I do the same thing. Yeah. But I usually fumble for a while before I figure it out, which makes it just strange. Yeah. Because it's like a taught behavior, but so yeah, unless I've like, unless I know like a lot, I have several friends that are doctors, so I can't imagine being like, hi, Dr. Mary, but um, Dr. Tracy Bennett, or Tracy, I'm going to call you. It's so nice to meet you. So thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Oh, I'm really excited to be here. Um, the the subject that we are going to talk about today is, I mean, where do I even begin? Because with everything, we set this interview up prior to everything coming out with the Facebook, um, like whistleblower, all of that information um, about what what screen time and Facebook and Instagram can do to um, teenagers' brains. Um, You have written a book um, called Screen Time in the Meantime, and it's about getting kids internet safe. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. So so I'm a private practice. I'm a clinical psychologist. I've been in private practice for over 25 years. And I see kids, teens, and adults. And about eight years ago, I started noticing that I was treating the virtual child almost as often as as I was treating the non-virtual child because, you know, kids are splintering a lot of identities off online and all of that living that they were doing online was out of view of the parents. And so they were getting into all kinds of challenges, which I call digital injuries So I was doing so much treating of digital injury that I thought, oh, my gosh, a lot of this is preventable. We need to do something about it. And I had kids and there was nothing out there. So I created Get Kids Internet Safe. Well, let me ask you. So Get Kids Internet Safe is is um, is it's it's a website is explain exactly what it is. 
Yeah. So it's a prevention tool website. So on my website, I have free articles for parents that talk about positive parenting, tech issues, screen time, everything that uh, I teach at Cal State Channel Islands. um, And I teach addiction studies and clinical psych. So I have interns that help me research and write those articles. So it informs parents about what they need to know in order to do positive parenting with, with kids in today's world. So I have online courses for parents. I have a social media readiness course for tweens and teens. I have my book. I do coaching. I do presentations to schools, churches, and corporations. It's just turned into a love project that everybody was really excited about. And once I wrote my book, I was like, oh my gosh, we need to spread the word because there's so much out there that parents don't know. Okay. So let me, I'm going to start here. I, I I've told you before we started recording, I have an 11-year-old daughter and almost 12 and a seven-year-old. And I do not allow Facebook, Instagram. Um, I don't know if I ever will. If I can, if I, can I probably can't um, avoid that. But they are on iPads often. They do... Um, go on Roblox and Minecraft and all that stuff. I need to obviously take one of your classes because (laughs) I know that I'm, it's, it's like this weird thing where you're like, I want to make them happy. I also want to have a break so I can selfishly not be bothered. Right. But then so explain, I'm sure you get a lot of this from parents. Where do you well, see stay? you're already making me so sad because a lot of parents come to my presentations worried that they're going to feel guilty and ashamed. Yeah. And really, my goal is to empower you. I'm not a screen-free parent myself. I I love screens. My kids love screens. And I think there in fact I know there are some healthy strategies that you could you can do both. Because it's almost impossible now to socialize, you know, and and get school done and get your work done without having screens in the household. So I think just, you know, taking screens away is not a solution. There's there's so many other things we can do as parents to support their screen literacy, but also protect their safety. Okay, so let's we'll we'll touch on that in a minute, but I want to get your take on all of the like the latest information, all the stuff that's come out in the past couple months with Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook and what it's doing to teenagers' um, brain development. And um, can you touch on that and your thoughts and feelings on that? You bet. Well, I'm going to have a weird slant and I'll tell you why. Okay. So years ago, um, Facebook put out a video conferencing program called Messenger Kids that was geared for younger children. And I put out a fairly fairly scathing article saying, way to go, Facebook. Now you're grooming little ones. You know, mm-hmm. we're all mm-hmm. hooked and now our kids are going to be hooked. And I published it on the Get Kids Internet Safe site. And I got a call from Antigone Davis, who was the head of global security for Facebook at the time. And she said, you know, Tracy, can we have a conversation? And I was like, sure. <laughs> you know? And she said, hey, we've done the research. And the truth is, kids are on their parents' devices, whether we like it or not. And these are devices and programs created for adults. 
So we want to work with child development experts like you um, to create products for children with the safety built in. Will you join us on our youth advisory committee? And and so I did. Um, they flew me to D.C. Um, to meet. Well, I was already there at a conference, but we met as a committee and I was in with bigwigs like Fred Rogers Institute and Sesame Street and, you know, the Yale Center for Emotional Guidance and that kind of thing. And I was thinking, why am I here? This seems, you know, I seem like an awful little fish. And the truth was, I, I mean, I was a little fish, but what they really needed on the committee were clinicians who are actually working with children and families, because we know what's happening. Our boots are on the ground. It's not academic theory, right? We're, we're seeing what's really happening. And I served on the committee actually by coincidence up until last week, um, where I resigned to go in other directions. So I knew that Facebook was, you know, that our attention is their product. I've known that for years and years. I've been writing about it. It's in my book. You know, I've been calling it from the rooftops. But it just seems that we, you know, it just didn't get to the general population until it's been in the news media. And, you know, Facebook knew there were problems, too. And, you know, I'll let them have their own argument about what they were doing. But when we joined, speaking for myself, when I joined their youth advisory committee, it was really trying to connect those of us in mental health and education with big tech, because prior to that, there wasn't a lot of crossover communication. So I do have some inside information or knowledge about, you know, how we as consumers need to protect ourselves and be aware when we're the product and when our kids are the product, you know, and and most of us sign up for it very happily because it's delicious content they offer us in exchange for data about our usage. It's really interesting because First of all, that's amazing. And I would, I mean, if they ever asked me to be on a committee like that, I would be terrified. Um, but they wouldn't. So I don't have anything to worry about. Don't, but, don't say never. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I had a conversation with my guest, Joel, um, that I recorded with the other day. And he is a big TikToker. And he's a huge following on TikTok. And we were talking about because he he's very he's he's a gay man he does makeup he has a lot of haters that go after him um bullying and all kinds of stuff but he happens to not like let those things bother him he's he's like one in a very few people that really cannot let it bother them right i mean i know i'm in a, in my 40s i'm a woman mom if I see stuff on Instagram or Facebook, I, I believe it or not, have people that have sent me mean things before. And I'm like, why are you sending me this? Like some woman actually, <laughs> this is kind of funny. I did an episode about aging and perimenopause and menopause and like how we don't talk about it as a, as a society and a culture. And like, it's just like some weird like existence where you're supposed to just go out into some field and age and just be done, you know? And, um, and this woman wrote on my judging Megan, um, Facebook page, she wrote, get over yourself. We all get old. 
like something really mean. And I kind of like sat with it and I wanted to write like, why are you so mean? And then I kind of was like, whatever, who cares? But it, my the point of my long-winded um, story is if this stuff and the things that bother me and, and my age bother me, I cannot imagine having a device and an Instagram and a Facebook and a TikTok and the mean bullying that happens to kids. I mean, I know I had a hard enough time just being a tween and a preteen and a teen without those things, right? So. Yeah, what I say in my presentations is that, you know, every time we're on a new platform, our identity splits off again. And the more identities you have, the more scrutiny and the more pressure overall to keep those identities up. Yeah. And you're right, you know, children, they have a Discord identity, they have a Minecraft identity, they have a Facebook, they have a Snapchat, they have an Instagram. It just depends how much they're out there. And it's hard enough for them to be in the real world, real time without big mistakes. Um, and yet they make big mistakes online too, which is all a healthy part of learning. But instead of it being in front of just your parents and your closest friends, it can be in front of thousands and even 10,000 people and then re-released over and over. And it it's a brutal landscape when you're trying to figure out who you are. Well, let's talk about like the, um, I mean, I talk about it often, like COVID doesn't help with children and like the, the depression rates and suicide rates and all of this stuff. But then the aspect of, um, you know, all of the social media and all the things that we see, I saw on your bio that you talk a lot about suicide and teenagers and kids. Can you touch on that for me? Yeah. I mean, you know, we've been, so research is very difficult because the truth is screen time is a fairly new phenomenon and yeah. try to find a control group that's not on screen versus those that are on screen. So causal research is, is difficult to conduct. Um, but most clinicians and researchers agree that screen time contributes to mental health problems. And that's certainly what I see in my office. Um, the number of digital injuries that can accrue, you know, they include things from like distracting you from real world relationships, distracting you from real world activities like sleep, for instance, which I think is the number one threat to mental health today is sleep deprivation. You know, kids are wired to connect with their tribe and to find their tribe. And when it's at their fingertips right next to their pillow, they're finding their tribe at 2 a.m. and then getting up at 7 for school. And, you know, they're trying to function without their brains doing it. It's housekeeping. And so we're seeing a lot of panic disorder. And even, you know, I have a client right now with auditory hallucinations, which I'm convinced is partly because he's been sleep deprived for so long because he's gaming until 4 a.m. So there are just a lot of areas of digital injury that parents don't even realize. We think of predators and we think cyberbullying, but, you know, there's exposure to violence, there's exposure to pornography, there's, you know, there's, all, I have a whole list in my book between health risks, interpersonal exploitation, and also exploitation for profit, like marketers, you know, trying to recruit them, for example, in the beauty and fitness industry. Or, you know, the compare and despair of 
of seeing influencers who are, you know, spend millions of dollars on stylists and surgical enhancement and digital enhancement and the perfect lighting and the perfect clothing. Our kids are seeing 3,000 of those images a day. And that is really confusing to them. So we're seeing eating disorders at an all-time high as well. I mean, I remember when I was young seeing like the Kate Moss, right? And being like, being like, oh my gosh, she's so skinny. But it was That's only in heroin mag- cheek, by the way. Did you know? Yeah, it was the heroin cheek. Yeah, but it was only in magazines. It wasn't like constantly. I can't even, first of all, if there was social media and all this stuff when I was young, especially in my college years, shout out Lynchburg College, go Hornets. Um, <laughs> I would not. I would not have ever had a job because I was like the girl dancing on bars and doing really bad things. Um, so that's terrifying, but I don't know what it would be like to be a tween, a teen, having all that pressure of like body image stuff, like thrown in your face, like 24 hours a day, like you're talking about. It's just, that's not even something I really, I mean, I've thought about it, but I don't think I'm there yet with my two girls, but it's something I'm really worried about. Well, we saw an average of a hundred images. They see 3000. 3,000. Yeah. Yeah. And the images we saw were actually real people. You know, now you might see an image that's the the eyes of one woman, the nose of another, and the mouth of another. Like we can't, and with filters, you know, we we can't, our ideals of beauty, we can't even keep up with as human beings anymore. We're cyborgs. We're part tech, part humans. And that's how we function. We outsource our brain to our phones, right? We don't memorize phone numbers anymore. We don't have maps. Everything's right here in this, you know, our our smartphones and our computers and our tablets. So we outsource so much to it that we really, we, it's very difficult to function without it. And kids are starting much younger than we were. What should we do, Dr. Tracy? I'm terrified. <laughs> we... <laughs> How much scary you? I'm really scared. No, I really I do think about this because even the other day, there was this whole email campaign going around that was like, shut down, like don't go on Facebook or Instagram for three days. I don't know if you saw that. It was some kind of like petition that's, and I was like, that's a great idea. But I will, I'm, I will openly admit this. I did not have the self-control to stay off of it for three days. I didn't. And then I think about, well, if I don't have the self-control to do it for three days, like there's no way my kids would be able to do that. It's, it's, it's like an, I have a major, major, major addiction to my phone, not just Instagram. It's to my email. It's to like, if somebody sends me a text message, I'm like, oh my God, I have to answer right now. If my phone was not in my purse in my car, I know I would have want to reach for it. Um, it's it's I'm an addict. It's really scary. Well, so the good news is we do have video gaming addiction defined now. The World Health Organization did define video gaming addiction, but only one to five percent of gamers fall into that criteria so far in the research. Okay. But most of us do our, show anxiety around our digital leashes. We have a really hard time detoxing and letting go. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting now because, um, you know, I'm an old lady now. I'm 53. 
So my oldest is 27. Gosh, my youngest is your gorge, by the way. You don't look <laughs> thank you. Shout so out my oldest, I'm gonna be a grandma next month. Oh my gosh. I know. I'm so excited. Oh, that's so exciting. No, yeah. no internet for your new grandchild. You no, know that. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, my kids didn't go internetless, but what was interesting is the 27-year-old had a really different life than the 17-year-old because did, uh, social media wasn't really that super popular for her in high school. I remember I took her Facebook, that's all there was, away from her for a little while because she her grades dipped and she didn't even want it back. She's like, I'm over it. I don't want it back. But the babies, we still call them the babies, even though they're 19 and 17. They yeah. had mobile devices in their hands while I was dragging them along to all her soccer games and her cheerleading and all that stuff. So they grew up with mobile devices. Um, and, you know, they say you teach what you most need to learn. As an educator, I love making my PowerPoints and researching my book. And I read on, I mean, I'm on screen a lot. And it, it's so cool to watch. Like I did No Tech Tuesdays, No Tech Thursdays when my kids were little. Okay. Which meant they couldn't watch TV. They couldn't get on their devices of any kind. And they were actually the hardest days of my week because they would climb trees and fall out and dig up coyote dens and fight with each other and call me at work all the time, you know, but I, I'm so happy I did that because they did create some interests outside of their screens and now watching them as teenagers and young adults, they still do those things. Like my daughter got really interested in farm animals. She started with chickens and she went to bunnies and she got goats and lambs and oh my gosh, she, and she's 19. She still has her goats. She loves spending time outside. She's in college and she comes home all the time because she needs that outdoor time. So some of it is, you know, just giving them that opportunity. It's, it's really that simple, but you have to force it while they're young because once they're teenagers, it's really, really tough. Are my kids too young? I love that idea, by the way. But I know that No Tech Tuesday means more drink, Megan, um, Tuesday, <laughs> because it's going to try to But um, I think that that's a great idea. I, I just don't have any idea how I would enforce that. Um, but I Well, how I, about instead of doing a whole day, just do like, you know, zone, little time zones where you're like, no tech between... Three and four, because you've been in school all day. Go eat. Go run outside. We, put your feet in the earth. That. We do do that. We don't. But that's the thing that's so unfair for our kids is I, I, I'm not sure where you live, but we're in um, an area where I can't just let my kids go run outside. You know, um, I, 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 I guess I could, but I'm too, I'm too much of a helicopter parent. I, I get too nervous with everything that goes on in the world. Um, so those are some tips of like things that you can do, right? If we can't shut down the internet, which I wish we could actually do, but there, there are really great things about it, obviously. Um, I've connected like with so many people over Facebook, like teachers, like my teachers from like I, when I was a kid that I was obsessed with and then they found me and like now we're friends again. And there's so many great things about social media and, and the internet and things that have come about, but there's so many bad things. So what are some other tips besides no tech 
Tuesday or no tech Thursday. Can you give well, me you, my or some ideas? Yeah, you brought up, you know, how am I going to entertain them then? Um, and I think all of us are in that boat. In fact, I, I did four presentations in one day the other day at uh-huh. a Santa Monica alternative school. I, I presented in webinar form to a fourth and fifth grade class to the sixth graders, the seventh and eighth, and then the parents. And it was so fun because the kids asked all kinds of questions and all those different developmental stages was totally different. And one of the things, the the fourth and fifth graders were obsessed about two things. Because, you know, when little kids, they hear one topic and then they can't get their brains off it. They had a million questions about hacking. They were fascinated by cybersecurity and hacking. And they also kept bringing up, how do we get our parents off screen? And I supported the parents. I was like, hey, well, you know, since the pandemic, a lot of us are online and and our work days have kind of extended into the house. So we're not always available to play, you know, and they were like, no, no, they're not at work. They're on Facebook and they're shopping like, and they're doing mom is shopping right now on bloomingtails.com. So <laughs> Dr. Stacey, yeah, that's not true. Yeah. So, so the parents were like, what did our kids say? And I was like, well, <laughs> what they said is they long for your attention. One kid said, that, you know, his parents really owe it to him to buy him really expensive Lego sets because that's, they need off-screen activities and that's all he'll want to do besides be online. So, but the point is, okay, so of course, create offline opportunities for enrichment and fun, allow your kids to be bored. But like you said, most of us don't let them run the neighborhood like we did. We know what peril we were in and we're not willing to put our kids through it. So screen time isn't as much the enemy, in my opinion, as screen content. So you can set some guidelines about what content your kids watch, Um, you know, kind of thinking like as a meal, you know, there's kind of the healthier entree, which is more educational software and video conferencing type of things with their friends. It's a lot healthier than the really sugary you know, delicious entertainment content, which is violent video games and super frenetic activity. Not that they can't do those things because every family's different, every kid's different, and and there are some benefits to video games. My interns write about that all the time because they're gamers. But content matters. So how you sandwich that content in the day can make a difference for brain health and overall socio-emotional awareness as well. Okay. I'm loving all of this. I'm really quickly going to talk to you about today's episode, which is brought to you by Plutio. Today's episode is brought to you by Plutio. So often as women, we are told we can't do the things we are set out to do. Busy moms, whatever it be. But Plutio makes it easy to run your online business by giving you everything you need all in one place. Ludio is the software we use to manage everything and every episode of Judging Megan. It's how I pay my producer. It's how we stay organized. And it's how we make sure that nothing falls through the cracks every week. It's even how we collect our guest applications online, which require legal releases. It has features for invoicing, contracts, project managing, group messaging, calendars, timesheets, and much more. It even has a chat widget so that people visiting your website can message you. Plutio helps you start, run, and grow your online business from anywhere in the world. Learn more about Plutio at 
judgingmegan.com forward slash Plutio. That's judgingmegan with an H.com slash Plutio. And now back to the show. And I, and I will tell you, um, like aside from that little ad that I just talked about to all of you, Plutio really has, I'm the least organized person in the on the planet. Anyone that knows me will know. And, and any of my listeners, especially local moms that know me, know that um, I don't know when Girl Scouts is. I don't know when I'm supposed to pick up anything. I don't know when soccer games are. I don't know when I have plans for dinner. I'm not organized. I don't even know how I'm talking, sitting here talking to you right now. So I'm not organized and it really has saved my life. So that's my plug for them right now. But um, going back to what we were talking about, um, I love everything you just talked about. I, I wanted to touch on you and what you're, you actually do. Are you practicing? Do you deal with new patients asking for a friend? Yeah. So I have three jobs. Okay. Um, I have a full-time private practice. I'm all zoom still okay. uh, from the pandemic, but as soon as our mask mandate lifts, I'll be in office too. I teach at Cal State Channel Islands, um, and I also, my love project is Get Kids Internet Safe. So um, I create courses and coaching, and I do presentations um, and do research for GKISS, is what we call it. I would love to talk, uh, to maybe have you come to or do a presentation at my daughter's school. I think it would be great. I think that this is a subject that's so confusing for people. Um, to really wrap their, like wrap their brains around. It's kind of like this bright, shiny object that you're not supposed to touch. But like you just said, there are ways that you can still use the bright, shiny object and be safe. But how do you go about using the bright, shiny object and being safe? It's just very confusing to parents as a whole. You know, I know that when I had babies, um, they were like, do not put your toddler in front of a screen ever. And then I flew on an airplane and I was like drinking like bottles of tequila, like by myself, like with my toddler, because I had to fly by myself. And I was just like, give her the phone. Like I didn't even care, you know, because when you're so desperate and you're in those situations with, with mothers, a lot of times can understand or dads that you're just desperate. So you're like willing to give, give the screen away. Um, it's, you just want to know because it's here to stay like we talked about. Right. Well, I mean, I think that's, it helps that I'm a mother of three, you know, that I'm yeah. a realist, you yeah. know, we can be, none of us were the perfect parents we set out to be, <laughs> yeah. but we're good parents because we're good enough is what, you know, you know, we, we want to be the fun mom. We want to be, the mom who allows our kids to connect with their friends and to play fun video games and to show us funny memes, you know, and I, I don't. So when I started Get Kids Internet Safe, I thought, OK, what parents need are tech tools. So I'm going to offer them a resource guide of all the best tech tools. This was even before our devices had parental controls. And I did that. It's called my screen safety toolkit. But ultimately, you know, working with thousands of families, I realized at the end of the day, our number one tool for help keeping, for helping them stay safe is our amazing connection with our kids. So it's the same thing that I'd been doing 
in all my years as a psychologist, really connecting with your kids online and offline is the secret. And that means negotiating rules, not just lecturing and yanking screen privileges. So the first thing I offered my customers at Get Kids Internet Safe was a connected family screen agreement. And it's like a contract, but it's way nicer than that. It goes over, you know, the rules and the family values and the things that you believe and want your children to believe. And and what's cool about it is when you're negotiating a contract, you have to listen. Right. You have to give a little and and take a little. And so starting with that free agreement kind of gets my parents started with ongoing dialogue. And then when they sign up for the agreement, they get a free article in their mailbox every week. And that teaches parents what kind of fun conversations to have around the table. It can be a current event that happened in regard to tech or social media. It could be a positive parenting thing. It can be a story. But my millennial interns really helped me with those because, you know, it talks about trends and fads and then you bring it up to your kids and then they'll tell you all about it. And all that back and forth connection is what creates healthy families. I need to sign up for this immediately. (laughs) No, I'm being serious. Yeah, no, it's it's I love it's fantastic. I'm really proud of it. Because I, I feel like it's it's something that um so I somebody sent me some kind of parental controls to put on my on the iPad and I could I kept trying to install it and I couldn't understand it and then I just was like oh I'm just gonna trust that Sophie's in there just on Roblox but I'm being naive right let's be real I need to like really get involved here. Yeah, they just they don't have the brain development yet to anticipate consequence. And they we've taught them to be polite and obedient all this time. And then they're going to come across somebody online who's polite and then they think they need to be polite and obedient to them. That's pretty dangerous stuff. You know, I've worked with the FBI that got involved with clients who were interacting with predators months before the parents discovered it. And we had a hard time pulling them away from the predator because there was already an attachment there. And you don't think your kid would do that, right? Because you've lectured them about it and they can talk about it and they're great kids. But there's a lot of con artists out there that groom kids. So the only way you're really going to know is if you're very involved in their online lives. You know, you can't keep them away from it. Parental controls aren't going to protect them 100%. But your connection will. Well, but that's the thing. It's like as a parent, and I know you have three kids, you get to this point with, I have my seven-year-old who's also has an iPad and does Roblox and all that stuff, but she, um, she is pretty open about what she's doing. And I go in and check on her all the time. But then my older, almost 12-year-old is very, she's not secretive, but I've noticed recently, like, you know, she's, she's becoming a teenager. And going through all like the hormonal changes and kind of like in the morning, I, this is kind of funny. So in the morning, I try really hard, you know, just be like, I love you. Good morning. And like, give her a kiss on the head. And she goes, get out, you know, (laughs) it's only the beginning. Girls are brutal. (laughs) I can't tell you they're brutal. I'm terrified. And it's such payback because I was like, I was not an easy, I know that's surprising to everyone. I was not the easy (laughs) child. Um, 
So I, I'm, I'm so looking forward to signing up for this and, and like moving forward and figuring this out. And it has been something that I think about often, but I just kind of like put off. And I think listening to you and like having my listeners listen to you, this is something we shouldn't put off, right? This is really important stuff. Yeah, I got you. And, and, you know, once, so I have tons and tons of parent support stuff, but my bestseller, which I really love too, is my social media readiness kit for tweens and teens, because at some point they need to study up themselves. Right. So that means kind of telling them stuff that maybe you want to put off or you think it's a little early, but now we, we have to be early informing them because, you know, the world is at their fingertips. So I do have a course for tweens and teens that goes over 10 modules. And what's what I love about it, half of it is the red flags of digital injury. So they can see where the risks are. And so they take, you know, they go through the coursework and then they take a quiz and there's 10 quizzes. So you can tell that they've mastered the content. But half of it is psychological wellness tools that I use in my practice. Because, I mean, you and I both know that a lot of it is holding it together until the crisis passes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's engaging problem solving because, you know, kids are going to fail. We want them to fail. If they're active learners, they're going to be, you know, making all kinds of, of bad decisions, both offline and online. But if we're safe for them to come to, because we've had these outrageous discussions around the dinner table and they know that we're not tech enemies. We don't yank their screens every time something happens that we work with them. Then they'll come to us and say, guess what happened to me today? Or guess what I'm working on? And one of the things my oldest taught me, so many things, but one of the things she was in middle school and she was having trouble with her friends. They were like excluding a kid a day. And it was her often because she was so little. And my daughter's way more kind than me. So I would give her terrible advice like, you know, assert yourself, make them uncomfortable. Don't let them get away with that. Or they're not your friends. Play with somebody else. And I just kept giving her terrible advice. And she's like, I don't know how you make a living because none of that works. <laughs> you know, like what's wrong with you? you like me. Did you go to school? <laughs> but what we ultimately did is, you know, I said, okay, let's just come up with tons of solutions and you pick them, pick one and see what works. And she did. And she got through it. And, you know, those kids are still her besties to this day. Yeah, I got over my grudges. It took me a long time, but but I did. And so what I what she taught me is that, you know, adult solutions don't work on the play yard. They know they're bigger, they're better experts than we are. But what they do benefit from is being able to come home and tell you, I'm really hurt. I'm really angry. This was really frustrating. This is hopeless. And have us say, well, you've always got us, you know, no matter what, I've got your back. I love you. Um, You know, this will work out, I promise. And we'll do whatever it takes to get you through it. It's heartbreaking to me. It's heartbreaking to me because we all know what it's like to be, especially as women, what it's like to be a young girl. And then I don't know one person that didn't get like some, somebody say something mean to them. And then that kind of sticks with you throughout your life. Some people have a better, easier time processing it. I still, I still deal with early stuff. But um, recently when you say that my older one came home and she'll probably, hopefully she never listens to my podcast, but she, she did, um, 
she's starting to like, she never cared what anybody thought of her, which I've always been like, God, I wish I was more like you. I love that you don't care what anybody thinks of you. And she was like, uh, I, I don't think that people like, like me. She said something like that. I'm, I'm uncomfortable because I don't think that people like me because I'm different, like something along those lines. And I honestly wanted to start crying. <laughs> and go to the school, like you said, and be like, who doesn't like you? This kid, this kid, this kid, you know, like as the mama bear in us, we don't want our kids to be broken or have to learn the lessons that we had to learn, but it's all part of life, right? Yeah. I mean, it really is. I, I, I cried at every school meeting. <laughs> like, yeah. It was so embarrassing, but yeah. you know, parenting is the hardest thing I do by far still yeah. raising adult kids is so hard because now they make all these decisions without even, you know, I mean, I guess we have our input, but we can't enforce anything. So yeah, parenting's the toughest thing. And that's why I think we need community and, you know, mm -hmm. and frankly, screens bring us community and that's a wonderful thing. Right. And if, if our kids are seeing us do it, they're going to do it too. And so that's one thing, you know, when we go on our rants, when I was a kid, you know, we're, I don't know that that's really helpful, you know, lecturing and mocking them about what they really love about screens, because it is an enormously powerful and amazing tool. And that's part of what I'm talking about. Like, if you're really connected with them, then you'll be like, you know, what? I, I want you to have your fun on Instagram. Like, that's totally cool. But I'm still going to spot check it. So you know, what, is and, the, what is the teens and tweens, um, what is that called, the link, if people want to look that up for the, for the kids? So if you just go to Get Kids Internet Safe. Okay. And and on there it says for parents and it says for parents of tweens and teens. You can click right on it and there's a social media readiness course there. And then I just released an app called the GKIS app. But you have to you have to get it on my site. You can't get it through the Apple Store because I'm not rich enough yet to put it on the <laughs> Apple Store. So okay. uh, and that's 20 weeks. So every week I did a five minute video for parents only, like giving some positive parenting advice and support and information. And then a five minute video for the whole family to watch. And that is really a conversation starter. I kind of do the hard work because I get everybody informed and going, then you turn off the video and then you start having your conversation. And a lot of times I offer, you know, like activities you can do tons of reading. My book is free on the app. You know, there's a bunch of readings and articles and handouts. I'm super generous with, with my customers because, you know, we just need as much support as we can get. And some people have five minutes to spend and some people can spend two hours. So I just, you know, give you lots of resources if you want them. I need to do all of this. What is your website again? It's called get, getkidsinternetsafe.com. Getkidsinternetsafe.com. Um, I wanted to also ask you, so you, are you still, are you, I kind of touched on this earlier. Are you taking new patients and do you primarily work with kids? Um, I work with kids, teens, and adults. It just depends who comes through the door. I'm licensed in California, Hawaii, and Idaho, because now I can 
go on vacation and and still do uh, see my clients. And yeah, I have some openings. I do, but we I'll tell you, the pandemic has been outrageously busy for all of us in mental health, yeah. unfortunately. And it seems like, you know, at the very beginning, the kids who didn't like academics were all over the place because they were like, you cannot teach me on screen. There's no way I'm going to play video games instead. And then near the end of the pandemic, I noticed my honors kids hit the wall. They were like, I've been exhaustingly doing all my online schooling, and now I just can't do one more thing. And now they're back in school, at least for us in California, some states, you know, barely left school. But in California now, you know, they got back to school, they're super excited, and now it's hit them that school is drudgery offline too. So the kids have just really had a hard time of it with the pandemic. Yeah. And so all of us are so busy. Yeah. I mean, I know because I, I talk, my therapist is reoccurring on my podcast, um, Dr. Nadine Macaluso, and she said the same thing. She's like, she's like, I don't like every, and in some ways I talk about this often. I, it's almost like this pandemic, even though we all hate it and it's been torture and there's so much like turmoil and anger and all the things that have come about with the pandemic. It's, it has brought to the surface how important mental health is. Whereas before it was like, like if you were like, oh, I'm having issues with anxiety and depression and, you know, all these things that I've, I've pushed down and not talked about, then I'm like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast where that's all I'm going to talk about. It's, it's more accepted. And it's, I think more and more people are like, I want to talk about my problems. And maybe it is a good thing that like out of everything that bad that's bad comes good, I believe. So um, this will push more people into therapy and keep you working for 25 more years. <laughs> yeah. you well, I agree. Young. The stigma has largely gone away. You know, kids have recognized, I, I'm, you know, I got to say, I love this younger generation. They are so much more informed than mm-hmm. we were. They're a lot more individualistic than we were. They really prioritize choice and being who they want to be. Um, they don't follow this really set blueprint like we did. And it, you know, what it's doing for them is an amazing thing. They, they have access to information that, you know, really broadens their perspective. So I think creative problem solving is just, you know, through the roof now. Um, and like you said, they don't have the stigma so much. They're willing to reach out for help. I mean, a lot of my teens and kids ask their parents for therapy. They're not put in therapy. They're begging for it. And a lot of times I do a really strategic kind of therapy where I give tools and a toolkit so that I can get goal oriented, you know, get them out of their distress as quickly and as effectively as possible. And so sometimes, you know, I'll do the toolkit and they meet all their goals and I'm like, okay, time for you to graduate. And they're like, I don't want to graduate though. Like, I really need this. I like this support. And so I offer options. You know, some people just meet their goals and they're done. And other people, we set new goals or they do kind of ongoing support. So yeah, kids get it. Way better than we ever did. It makes me happy to hear that you don't think that our the next generation of people are going to be a hot mess. I mean, I think that we already are a hot mess enough. 
maybe like everything that's going on in the world has come to like a boiling point and people are starting to be like, what? That doesn't sound right. And then they're going to realize like accepting people looking different, being different, all the things that, you know, people are so divisive over or things that shouldn't even be something you should even think about. I know sometimes when I talk to my um, 11 year old about, um, you know, a lot of my closest friends happen to be gay men and it's not even a thing. She's just like, Oh, like, you know, Josh and like his partner or, or Michael and his partner, they, they, she doesn't even think about it. Whereas it was when we were young, it was, it was confusing and nobody talked to us about that thing of that kind of thing. So it's every, I think the more accepting we are as people, um, we can learn so much by them from them because they aren't, they haven't learned all the bad behavior that's taught upon them. Right. Yeah. The kids in our town. Um, so we have this moms of Camarillo Facebook page Mm -hmm. and there's always drama. Right. People take pictures of people who park wrong or. Camarillo like next door, because my husband told me I'm no longer allowed on next door, especially when I'm drinking wine, because it was <laughs> like it's like it's like porn for me. It really is. It's my favorite thing on the planet. I, I, love, I love all the Karens like that get on there and they're like, there was a man walking down the street. He had dark skin and he was walking down the street. Like just the ridiculous things. Is that what Moms of Camarillo is? Because I need to. It's that, but on steroids. It's like way worse. So people just live for the drama and they get all. So what was interesting is the teenagers in town created all these fake accounts that were like cougars of Camarillo. (laughs) And, you know, but, but they got really edgy like kids do. Yeah. So actually the admin called me and she's like, I'm being bullied by all the teenagers in town. And my teenager, I was like, what do you know about this? And he's like, we're so sick of moms of Camarillo taking pictures of us and, you know, complaining about us and complaining about being moms. Like they act so badly. We don't act anywhere close to that badly. And yet we're always being lectured about cyberbullying. Look at you guys. And I thought it was a really interesting perspective because, I, you know, it's true my college students behave far better as an audience than adults do. They don't even think to, I have a screen-free classroom. I've never had a university student in all these years. I've been teaching for 16 years complain about that. Like if I say, sometimes they'll forget or somebody will pull it and I'll say, oh, screen-free class. And they'll just put it away and deal with it. Imagine if you tried to get a big, you know, 110 adults. Okay, put away your phone, please. So I can continue. They'd freak. So really, I think especially a lot of- in a room, especially in a room of Karens. No, that's <laughs> yeah. not happening. No, yeah, never. so they, they have more, better etiquette than we do in many ways. And yet we have a hard time recognizing that because we're too busy worried that, you know, kids these days. Oh, my God. I could talk to you for hours, Dr. Tracy. I love you. I'm so ha- I'm so grateful to have met you and have you on my podcast. Um, I think all of this stuff is so so important. I want you to give your. Um, do you have an Instagram and social media so my listeners can follow you and message you? 
Sure. Well, I'm kind of, I have two main identities. <laughs> so I have Get Kids Internet Safe on both Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, all of those. But I also have Dr. Tracy Bennett. So I'm, uh, I'm both. So you're welcome to look me up either way. And if you have any questions for me, you can always contact me through my website too. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I'm actually going to follow you after we record. Um, in closing, uh, I, I know that I've started using my, my new um, end of my show little line that I started using. And um, I hope that my listeners like it. I like to, to say this every episode now because it makes me think maybe my dad upstairs is proud of me and all the things that I'm trying to accomplish and do. So like I say, every episode now, my daddy used to say, be happy by making others happy. And so I'm saying to you, be kind, be happy by making others happy. Thank you, Dr. Tracy. Thank you so much. Such a great time. Hello. Did you hear me in the beginning of the show? I hope you heard me because I'm going to tell you about something called Instacart. If you have never heard of Instacart, where have you been living? I mean, where are you living? Are you living under a rock somewhere? It is the most amazing thing I have ever experienced in my life. I'm not lying because I hate, well, I love to shop. Everyone knows I love to shop, but I hate to shop for groceries. Like I said, I don't want to see Brenda or Karen in the grocery store. This way I can avoid seeing them. I can avoid maybe running in my cart into their carts, maybe accidentally on purpose. And instead I get everything delivered to my house. Look out my ring video doorbell. And if you go to judgingmegan.com forward slash Instacart, you can get free delivery on any order over $35 if you're a first time user. So I'm not kidding. Go get the app. Go get, do you have an iPhone? Everyone has an iPhone. Get, except my mom. Pat maybe doesn't have an iPhone, but we're working on it. Get out your phone, download Instacart. It's a lifesaver. And again, I don't want to see Brenda and neither do you. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.